Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, episode 101, woohoo. Uh, with me, Michael Keel. And me, Roger Bell-West. And uh, this month... Uh, we played an old with... game. Sorry? We played an old game. Yeah, and we're going to tell you about it, forward to the future, through deep nostalgia. Yeah, a rem- um, remarkably modern game in many respects. Yeah, a, a precursor. Um, and speaking of precursors, or maybe I mean the ancients, we're going to be talking about Traveller as a spark and about what you can chop out of any game system and still have something functioning at the end. But first, a word from our boosters. That's a good word. I just thought it boosters. Yes, in, in fact, uh, both both of the people who contributed to this, this month's episodes are, are occasional supporters of the show. Uh, you can you can be one too. As uh, we have a uh, tip jar at paypal.me/rogerbw. Uh, I should say, by the way, they don't always email me when stuff goes in there. So if you've sent us money and we haven't acknowledged you, it's not because we hate you. It, it's because I simply don't know about it yet. Uh, you you may want to send us email or leave a comment as well. Okay. Please note, if you, if you want your moments of ego. Did we have anybody we were, we were going to ego-boo this time? Uh, well, indeed, uh, Brian Parker, uh, who uh, so, so, sent us a tip and uh, inspired our, our second segment here. Uh, this is not pay for play, uh, but, but we, we thank you very much, Governor. Tug of the forelock, and we hope you find it useful. Arr. But But first, back to the past and forward to the future. Um... Can we use that theme tune? We're going to have to find no. something. No, didn't think so. We'll st- find something equally appropriate for the uh, uh, for the introduction to this moment of mystery and action and adventure. In our small, um, near adjacent hovels in South Buckinghamshire, recently been honoured by a flying visit via the intertubes from Antipodean uh, gaming legend Brett Evel, who, to whom, hello Brett, and thank you very much, and it was a really good game. Mm. He ran for us at Roger's instigation a session of uh, the ancient but still interesting game. James Bond, 007. I say it's ancient, it goes back to the 80s. Uh, 1983 it was published. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, in gaming terms. In gaming gaming terms is eons. Ten years is an eon in gaming at the moment. And and we had two very enjoyable sessions um, with other friend of the podcast, Dr. Bob, um, and Roger and me forming a trio of 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 lower ranking than 007, but still quite competent agents in the 1950s and in an adventure which involved a real life refugee from 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 uh, uh, from the fall of the Nazis who wished it hadn't happened because he was having so much fun, and uh, and the and a fairly realistic depiction of the shambles that was the. Uh, British nuclear program and our <laughs> relationship with the Americans at the time, all coming up with a quite a 
a nifty little scenario. And I hope he, he, he publishes it sometime and uh, and gives the rest of the world a grand climax that we didn't quite make. But we did, but all praise to Brett. Um, and and uh, thanks again for having done this for us. We had fun. I should say, when you say at my instigation, this is more that we we have been talking about it and he has been suggesting that we ought to take a look at it for a while and okay. I have been not doing anything about this and eventually um, I, th- I think his patience may have run out and he said, right, well, I'll run a game for you then. Okay, in that case, let us put this at, at, at Roger's instigation but at Brett's nagging. Uh, we have ca- we, ca- we came together on a couple of Saturdays Early in the morning, at a time I normally don't, I'm not up by, and uh, and in the three hours before he went to bed, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we we just finished it on the last Saturday on the spring equinox. I think we're in a position to talk about it a little. Hmm. Roger, you've read the system more thoroughly than I have. Describe it to the nice people and the rest of the rabble. It's an interesting combination of ahead of its time and. Dark Ages of role playing to me. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, for for example, you you have a chase system, uh, which is basically you are this many spaces ahead of the enemy. You 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 are bidding to see how difficult a maneuver you're going to do. Yeah. And they they then say, okay, I'm going to do a more difficult maneuver, and whoever bids lower has to do that maneuver, and then controls the outcome to some extent if they succeed. Oh, that's really that is that is let me say really nice and very adaptable. To yeah, and and it's quite systems. it's quite abstract. Uh, it, yeah, th- this isn't you know measure the distance on the map or anything like that. It's say, okay, um, you you have taken the dive down a side street sort of manoeuvre, and that's, that's, what that will actually yeah. mean depends on what environment you're in. But there's always something that works like. Yeah, you don't need a map. You do need a mental image of. What streets like this in a city like this at this time are like, and what they and what the the cinematic shot is of the of the of the car coming down the alley, scattering dustbins and washing everywhere. Um, Fruit cart. <sighs> People with painted glass crossing the road. I, you you got there before me. Yes, uh, but yeah. that contrasts with. Yeah, so the the basic resolution mechanic, it does have a universal mechanic, which is slightly unusual for its day. True. That universal mechanic is you have a skill level, which is added yeah. to a stat, and gives you a primary chance of success. Which is the thing you should normally be looking at. The rest is for generation and advancement. Yeah, yes. so the, the primary chance is the thing that's written on your character sheet and you look at all the time. I think the uh, the... On the on the sh- characters we were using, the the highest was uh, twenty one or twenty two, and the lowest were defaults of about eight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that was the range. You then multiply this by an ease factor, uh, which is typically five. It can go up to ten. It can go down to half, but it's generally an integer. Yeah. And that gives you your success chance, which is how difficult this particular thing is to do. Your percentage chance, in yeah. fact. Yeah, you then roll that on percentage. Uh, double zero is always a failure. Uh-huh. Uh, but you then... Well, the, the way they did it, you, you check it on a table. Mm. Another table. Uh, but what what it means is, if you've got... If you just make the roll 
but mm. by by more than half. Uh, yeah, you have a you have a, a chance of eighty, and you're all forty one plus. You have yeah. a quality rating four, which is a just basic. It's a success, but it's not a great success. Mm. Um, if you get under half, then it's quality rating three. Under a fifth, it's two. Under a tenth, is one. And people who've played Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition may find this looking quite familiar because you have the half and one fifth ratings mm. in that, and they trade off against each other. So. Yeah, if 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 I get a one and you get a three defending against me, then that will drop my one by a couple of steps and so on. Yeah, the the the, the way I was thinking of it was my action this turn sets the opponent's difficulty for the next turn. That, that that's what it seemed to be doing. Yeah, and quite quite often, in fact, that was happening directly. If if I get a success three, then the opponent's attempt to have that thing not happen to him is ease factor three for him. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it, it's clunky because of the multiplication. Uh, what, what Call of Cthulhu 7th would do is just say, okay, this is a hard task, you need to make a hard roll in order to succeed at all. Yeah, I, I think, um, I, I, I don't think the problem is the multiplication, I think it's the division. Um, uh, I, in my own head, I can do times most things by five to get a, a RuneQuest or Call of Cthulhu percentage. And pluses and minuses to that, and I can do the um, the special and critical chances, critical not so well because it doesn't happen so often mm-hmm. in Rune Quest in my head after much play. But this is multiplying by different amounts, which is is doable to somebody educated at the time you and I were, but I'm not sure how how good mental arithmetic is. Amongst the young, but then I believe mo- since since mental arithmetic was taught, most elderly people feel that the young haven't got it properly. Hey, I've uh, never, never taught it, but uh, which character sheet were you using? Um, because the the good one, as opposed to the official one, is the yeah. one that has the quality ratings pre calculated. So, if I, I had that, I had that on the side on the side, but I had hadn't filled. In the, uh, the the squares with right, the actual character. The, while you can just say, "Is it one tenth or less?" There there are some interesting special cases of rounding it, and it is easier just to look look it up and say, "Okay, I'm on the seventy one to eighty row." Yeah, I still feel that that uh, that having four possible successful re- results is either one or two too many. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think I think it's too fine a, a gradation. Um, Success, it's t- hard, extreme, critical is what uh, Cthulhu Seventh would, would call it. But uh, uh, Cthulhu Seventh critical is only on a zero one, not the one tenth. So, mm. so so that means the, uh, that you're you're omitting one stage of calculation, mm. which would be good. But for uh, for its time, it took what RuneQuest uh, and I can't remember if Call of Cthulhu was out by then, but RuneQuest um, was doing already. And made it into a slightly more generic um, and more more applicable mechanic. I still feel that it's better if the chance is on your character sheet and fixed, and you don't have to multiply every single time. I know and, people and you have who some, are some other way of saying this is a hard task. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there. there I know some people who are very. Uh, arithmetic phobic they would say math phobic um and and don't want to do anything but some people 
uh, Jonathan Tweet's famous example of the lady who wouldn't add up 3D6 because it was too hard for her. Some people are more extreme than that. Yeah. Um, and and I, 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 don't, I don't think it pays back. This, uh, I think this is something that the gamers learned later is, is that I don't think this degree of effort pays back in results. At yeah. least not for I, I think it's fair to say in, in 1983, a lot of us were still thinking in terms of we want a more complicated, more realistic, to use the phrase of the day, mm. game. More simulationist, as we'd say now. As yeah. We, yeah. And th- there are other clunky bits too. I don't know if you looked at the uh, combat system at all. Uh, but I think you, I was I was led through it by the hand by bread. But you, you've got a damage class for your, from, for your weapon of A to L. Uh, you cross-reference that with the quality rating of your weapon to find out how much of a wound you've done to somebody, uh, which is you know, light, medium, heavy, incapacitate. And there yeah, is, I, there I, is I, a separate I, chart on a different page that says if you take a medium, if you already had a medium wound and you have, and you now take a light wound, that adds up to make a heavy wound. That that sort of thing. Yeah, that should all right. But you can so, see so basically get... you you can you can. What it in practice means is plus one, plus two, plus three. Mm. It doesn't need a table for it, but they, they, they do love their tables. They also, in the original game, love putting their tables only in the rules, not on some sort of summary page uh-huh. on the back. Well, well, I think they were... The, uh, perhaps they were anticipating selling a game last a screen, which... Um, well, well, they did. It, yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah, the the step to uh, GURPS, which is only a few years later than this, isn't very far. But GURPS is wise enough to say um, uh, that uh, uh, that if your personal ability affects the um, uh, the damage, as it does with melee weapons, then your um, then your strength rating effect, uh, has adds from the weapon, and that's a step simpler than. Not very much so, given that GURPS has decided to go into a great plethora of damage categories, mm. which have complicated its original system. Well, we, we didn't ever much. look into hand to hand in this in this session, I believe. I think I, I punched somebody in the nose. I seem okay. to recall Fair that. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, oh, looking at things that are are ahead of its time, um, it is the first game that I am aware of that was saying explicitly, "This is not just." an espionage game or a, a fantasy game or a science fiction game. It is the James Bond game. Yeah. Now, obviously, some of that is because they paid for the license. Um, sure. But what that means, what you get, is is a game that is very much focused on telling this sort of story, the sort of story mm. you get in it. Well, I, I think primarily the films. I think you could do the books to some extent, but they're, they're quite a different style. It was, it yeah, was, what, the, film what, what, it was Brett... the film license they bought. Yeah. What Brett did for us felt uh, more like the books um, than than the uh, 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 than the films, um, and, and the better for it. Let me say, um, because it was more flavorful. But he also said, uh, uh, it came up in in the after game discussion that uh, the the setting, official setting, and all the official tech is very much of the eighties, and you are expected to be running. Um, adventures and cases and assignments um, on 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 slight fantasy version of eighties tech. Yeah, the full super science, but... of which there were quite a few, mm. uh, were basically they all had the titles of the films. 
But were not necessarily following the plot. They were inspired by the films, but not uh, directly. I mean, take uh, You Only Live Twice, mm. which the, the film is about you know, kidnapping spacecraft in orbit. And, and 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 frivolous Oriental background. And for for a for a nineteen sisties space age film, yeah. Okay, I mean it wasn't plausible, but it it was a thing that people were interested in and and aware of, and so on. And so so that that is gone because it, it is everything is reset into the contemporary era. Um. So what you've got is basically a uh, an orbiting laboratory has has uh, crashed on Earth. And Ooh. might have something extremely dubious in it. Oh, that's um, a very James Bond. Which thing. could be tracked back to the British who, who uh, leaked it to the Russians in the first place. <laughs> and and that that's why. Hang that's on, why that's, we're the, sending that's, you. The, that's the plot of Ice Station Zebra. <laughs> <laughs> and it still has the the gratuitous Orientalism. Mm. But it, it it's a slightly all, all the scenarios were a bit modified because I mean, apart from anything else, people, they expected people to see the films. Mm. There, uh, there, there were some interesting things in the uh, character generation. Um, there was the fact that each previous experience was rated by um, the fame it generated. And in this game, which is actually thinking about things and ignoring the James Bond genre for once, <laughs> fame is not a good thing. Yeah. Um, at one point, I wanted to be the the fellow who got to kill the the infamous Nazi fugitive from justice, um, and I already had eighteen uh, fame points because I'd been a Royal Marine and an Olympian, and uh, and Doctor Bob very kindly stole my my budo and uh, <laughs> became temporarily slightly famous, and the and the service had to do something to cover this up. Because, uh, because she would have been, or rather, he, her character would have been a um, less effective agent if people had known who they were. Yeah, and it, it's clear looking at the rules that what what James Bond does in terms of the game mechanics is I don't care about all this fame stuff. I'm just going to be recognised by everybody, and that gets him into trouble. I mean, he he is ineffective as an agent doing surveillance because everybody knows who he is. Yeah, quite. He has to have people to do that for him. But I, I, I very much like the way it's it's point based character generation. Uh, another fairly early example of that, mm. and having an average height and weight and appearance costs you more character generation points than being <laughs> tall or skinny yeah. or ugly or attractive because it because it gives you a lower fame because fame is basically how recognisable you are. Yes, the the ideal agent here is George Smiley, and and not James Bond, which is very odd for a a, a genre. Adaptation. Only female, because they they get a fame point penalty for because it's just less likely that women are agents, or important in any way whatsoever, other than bed fodder. Yeah, thank you. yeah. Okay, I mean, this is James Bond. Uh, I show, uh, Okay, to, uh, to be uh, fair, it, it it I think it does a frankly a better job than the films. Uh, that's not hard. Um, the, the, yes, the, all right. The, there, there is a seduction procedure. There is a five-step seduction procedure, starting with the glimpse across the ro- the room. Your eyes meet. Something flares, and then the um, 
And then the uh, introduction, I say, um, uh, I've only just come off the flight. I, I, might I, 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 I beg a cigarette off you and a light? I have, uh, I've had a hard day wrestling shark. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, I can't remember what comes next because my character got that far and then failed. <laughs> um, but I think I, was, I think I was supposed to be making witty conversation and this, and this was most unfairly a, a, a stepped thing with increasing difficulty as you went through. Honestly, I, I would have thought that... Uh, it, anyway. it, is, it is basically a, a series of uh, increasingly hard seduction skill tests. Yeah. And then the NPC gets a willpower roll to resist, which, as as standard, is, is their difficulty is the ease factor of your... Is, is their difficulty ease factor is your success level. Mm-hmm. So if you did very well, they're less likely to resist, but it doesn't give you a bonus to the next step. Okay, well, I, that was that was fun. The other thing I was going to say about character generation is that there's one half baked bit, which uh, Brett admittedly admitted he couldn't uh, make much of either, which was areas of interest. I think it was called, where you you know something because of your background, and you can specify the the area of stuff that you just know. Yeah, it's it's a very narrativist sort of approach. Um... Consider the in in something like fate, you you might have the I was a Royal Marine tray, yeah, and that that's effectively what it is here. You know, I I was a, I was a soldier, I was a journalist, um, mm. and and you get a thing because you have that tray. There's there's no game mechanic for it. Um, yes, uh, yeah, all right. So so you know, um, so. so some some fields of experience are, you know, mechanical engineering, and some of them are forensics. But yeah, Doctor Bob's character was a space scientist and kept on saying, "I don't know anything about atomic bo- about about bombs. I know how to put them into orbit." <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah, I, it, it's a half baked idea. Um, I thought about fate a lot uh, looking through this. It has. It has similarities to the first glimmerings of fate, I would say. It has what it calls hero points, but where fate will give you fate points with a strict ration, a one to three at the start of the session, up to one to three at the start of the session, more if you ended with more at the end of the last session. Um, here, we were expected to go out and earn them by getting uh, criticals, um, uh, 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 result one, uh, a lot, and and Brett gave us the um, the opportunity because he had one of the opening adventure sequences, which is very in um, in uh, in genre for the mm-hmm. films, and uh, and gave us lots of ch- each lots of chances to do the things that we were good at, and only one of us did, which was Roger. Yeah, I, um, I, like, I like the idea that. The structure of the narrative is encouraged by the mechanics. You you go out to do the things you're good at, the the, the chases, the, the the seductions, the whatever. Yeah. In order to build up your hero points for the climactic fight scene at the end. It it and it do, does mean that that uh, you're you're more likely to be overtrained in one area and get the um, and get the others to do the things that they are good to so it's a thing of mutual niche protection 
which, that, is, which is said, coming. I yeah, um, they they fell fairly. I thought the characters fell fairly easily into three stats that each each push quite a lot of skills. Yeah. Um, and what do we have? Uh, strength, dexterity, and intelligence. I think something like that. Uh, Each of us yeah. specialising in one of them, but yeah. uh, I, I like that idea. I think I would prefer it if it were a bit more deterministic. Because, as you say, I rolled well, you guys rolled badly. Um, yeah, I don't think you rolled significantly less than I did. I, well, so. obvious, obviously, the way uh, the way that you would do this now is with something like fate and with the opportunity to earn uh, the bennies um, by doing in-character or cool things, rather than by random luck. You're, you decide to... Con- uh, in, in Fate, you, if you, you decide to concede the contest and, um, and withdraw or lie on your back, waving your legs in the air, saying, don't kill me, then you get a Fate point because it, moves, it makes for story. Mm-hmm. And, and what you do to make for story is what the Fate points reward. Also, you get a ration... At the start of each game, so, so you're so not accept, out of things. Accepting that you're going to get uh, captured by the villain, so that he can explain his plan to you, rather than fight, fighting to the death. I think uh, that that's explicitly called out in Feng Shui. They, they <laughs> say they won't tell you this in training, but the skills list is. I mean, all right, there are what twenty odd skills, twenty five, something like that. Mm. It did feel a bit lacking in places. Um, like, like well, you're you're used to there isn't an acrobatics or anything like yeah. it. Nowadays, nowadays it will be parkour all over, but yeah. especially for for double O agents who are the sort of people who run up the sides of buildings. <laughs> and then there are these weird fixed abilities. Um, yeah, why of, there was what there were three of them, and you couldn't. You can't put points into them, but you get them at a pretty decent level to start with. Connoisseur, first aid, and photography. And I, I found an interview with uh, Jerry Klug, who wrote the system, mm. uh, where he said, basically, they were originally skills, but he found that players weren't taking them because they didn't feel they were cost-effective. So, well, so, they, so they just got put on as everybody has these without the option, so you don't need to spend points on them. Yes, that's well. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an elastoplast stuck on the on on the system that uh, which it, which indicates a, a deeper underlying illness um, or perhaps lack in in the system. That's, as I said, this is is very it's a very interesting early stab at a large number of things, mm. and I think it's. Um, I can see why it's not been revived, but the, the the systems that now exist, which would do it well, couldn't pay for the um, uh, the media license to do uh, a revised edition. Look, I don't think history. It, it, it's quite interesting because three separate espionage games came out in the same year. Which were and this is one of them. Uh, so there, there had already been Top Secret. Mm, yeah, which was which the, is TSR. Yeah, yeah uh, which was I'm sorry, I shouldn't sneer like that. It was early TSR. It it, it was famously. Uh, we're pretty sure there's a skill system in here. We're not quite sure how it works. <laughs> was the sort of thing people would say about it. Um, but there was also that year there was Espionage, the hero system one, which I think mm. later became Danger International. It 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 got renamed it to to something else anyway. Uh, and Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes. So, yeah, I, mercenary spies and private eyes seems to have had the 
for uh, for a game with a, a fairly short uh, supplement list has had a has had a fair continuation and enjoyment mostly on the back of the tunnels and trolls um, fandom well it's, it's a very allied system mm. uh, but I, I find it interesting that that the other two are both we've already got a system which we are now going to wrench a bit to put yeah. into an espionage setting uh, and of course as I was saying the, the others are much wider ranging that the, the other three games are all trying to be yes you can do James Bond but yes you can also do George Smiley if you want to uh, mm. yeah that's probably going to be more gunfighting but yeah, if if you want to do a long surveillance, we will give you a bonus for doing that long surveillance. Okay, not not so sure about mercenary spies and private eyes. Um, they 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 want to support the the full range of genres, just as early traveller wanted to be any science fiction game you wanted to play. And yeah, but and ended up being its own thing because its own thing was the thing it supported. Yeah, I I think I I think there's. Yes, the, the, you can you can sense in, in it the the stirrings of a lot of good stuff that came later. As I say, if you were to do it nowadays, you would use something like Fate. Mm. Um, I I think that or, there are or Fate Hillfolk drama system or Hillfolk drama system for uh, I think would probably work bet, better for uh, something like a George Smiley. Where there is no action, all the action has happened in the past, and that's what's being investigated. Yes, Smiley triggers other people to go out and kidnap and um, take effective action against the traitors and the moles, but he isn't there himself. He and his team are digging into records and talking to people mm. and trying to get people to talk and uh, either betray themselves or remember the thing that will give you the clue to uh, what what the thing is and i think that's that uh, that's more a gumshoe come um drama system thing than james bond where whether bond can uh, shoot the villain at the last moment really ma- really really matters yeah, I, uh, but I but as I, as I say, something like something like fate. There is a fate thing called Agents of Swing, but that is at the uh, the uh, Avengers, the Patrick McNee Avengers, or Department S, or something like that mm. level. I think end it's of the spectrum. Possibly worth uh, looking briefly at the history of this, uh, because Victory Games is now kind of forgotten. Um, I, I I I can remember the logo, and that's about it. Well, TSR bought SPI. Yeah, and SBI was struggling a bit, and they they did that thing which we've heard about again a bit more recently of saying, "Oh no, 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 no! We just bought the assets; we didn't buy the liabilities. So we've we've got all these valuable games, but we don't need to keep paying royalties to the designers or anything." I, and the president said, when the courts eventually got around to it, was "crap, no." I hope I'm not sure it ever got that far. Uh, the SBI staff all left. All right, almost all left. And they they were then funded by Avalon Hill to set up Victory Games, which was mostly a board and war game publisher, as as most gaming companies were at the time. Uh, yeah. This was their one RPG, and it was designed by Jerry Klug, uh, who'd also worked on Universe and Dragon Quest Second Edition. Uh, he was recently interviewed on the Grognard Files, so I'll put in a link to that. Yeah. Um. And it went as far as anybody seems to know reasonably well. Um. I, I certainly saw a copy of it back in the day, which is more than I, I could say of many RPGs of the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, it had 
let's see, ten or so adventures probably. Well, uh, the, and uh, 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 Victory, Victory Games, uh, they they had a magazine. It was Heroes Victory Victory Games? Because I seem to recall a lot of covers of of that with uh, James Bond stuff on it. Um, I may be I may be confusing them with somebody else, but oh, Avalon Hill was Hero was Avalon Hills. Yeah. And as, well, Vic- Victory Games was was effectively a subsidiary of Avalon Hill. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Heroes ran for ten issues, I think, and that was promoting this and the Avalon Hill games, which were Lords of Creation, Powers and Perils, and at that time, RuneQuest. Yeah. Um, uh, which is why which is why I started collecting it. The, uh, the, the the when you have a media property of the level of James Bond, you have instant recognition. And up to a point, because one of the things they didn't get, and yeah, contra- I, you you have played the Firefly board game. I have. And one of the visually time. distinctive things about the Firefly board game is it is plastered with stills from the series and and the film. Yeah, they didn't get and the rights can- to use the images. Ah, uh. the covers are uh, redraws of film posters or original artwork in the same style. The internal art is black and white line drawing. Mm. They've they've got this. I mean, you could say, yeah, all right, that is that is the autogyro little Nelly, but they they're not using any of any of the um, actual stills. And of course, they they had the Kevin McClory problem, which is uh, the, the the guy who asserted with with what validity I'm not prepared to say because frankly I don't know and I'm not that interested uh, that he owned uh, Thunderball and Spectre. Uh-huh, like the guy who because, says... Because he... he had co-written to some extent. Uh, he had a strong enough case that this was tied up in court for many years. This is why Never Say Never Again got made. That was his version of Thunderball, rather than rather than an official one. Oh, boy. Uh, but the direct result of that is, well, A, obviously there's no Thunderball adventure. That's not significant in itself. But they couldn't use Spectre. So they re- they replaced it with Tarot, which, yeah, is the same sort of thing. And... It's fine, but if you want to play James Bond, you want to play James Bond. Well, quite. I mean, oh, uh, you, you uh, could search and replace the text and, and change a few things around, obviously. But it's it's just a little disappointment. Yeah, um, the, the 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 law about in about inherited copyrights is even more complicated than the law about um, uh, the, who owns the original copyright. And uh, and there's there's Marvel Man. Uh, which, uh, which, uh, uh, for and and the, and who who has the rights to Miracle Man? And uh, mm-hmm. that's a that's a particular sore point with with me and another a number of other comics fans. It's a mess, basically. Yeah, it is. It, uh, and and, and the, obviously, Victory Victory Games did not have the money to even insert a wedge into this mess. So quite. Yeah, the, the Dan Jack SA and Kevin McClory, I believe, eventually settled somehow, uh, in some way. But that was too late for the game. And basically by 1987, e- each side said, we'd have been happy to keep going, but the other side weren't interested, so who knows what actually happened. But that's when the game stopped. They, they lost the licence, the publication stopped. Mm. Which means that I, do- I doubt, as I say, I doubt now there will ever be an official James Bond Adaptation, but if you're going to do, if you decided, hell yes, I want to do Thunderball, 
and and you're just an amateur, then you could do a lot worse than taking a look at this game. Steal it. Uh, look at it for the issues that it raises, and the way, and if not necessarily the way in which it resolves them, because most of most of the the new things it tries were were first generation of the new things it was trying. Hmm. And it, um, it, it's fascinating as a historical document. Uh, also, it is. I've, I've just had a quick look on eBay, and I see a copy of the original uh, game for uh, box boxed set for about twenty quid. So uh, it, it shouldn't be shouldn't be a desperately expensive experiment. And and you can use art, and uh, you can probably reuse the art and the uh, and so, and some of the maps and and things like that to. Uh, the I, maps I, I weren't a great say thing. good things about the thri- thrilling locations supplement in particular. Mm. Um, possibly, well, that, that's a whole se- separate discussion. But uh, you, you, you could say, you know, cities of the world uh, not not as important uh, in the, in these days when we have Wikipedia, but it's kind of handy. And you've got things like uh, here is what the Hotel de Paris is like uh, with, with some pictures because those weren't from the films. So they say, you know, here, here is what you can do there, you know, and here, here is what happens if you're staying in Monaco. Um, I, I, uh, here's what here's what a London casino looks like. Yeah, stuff like that, which is um, which is all all good, good and necessary research, which nowadays you get at slightly less good quality on Wikipedia. Quite a lot less good quality, I feel. And and I mean, you you've got some significant NPCs and adventure scenes and stuff, but yeah, something like a floor plan of a casino. You're not going to find easily, and trust me, I've looked. <laughs> I I always think they look that places like that are pokier in reality than they 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 look on 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 the screen. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, but but that maybe maybe the seedy low life places I hung around when I was younger. Very well, probably it is. Fundamentally, a casino has to be a profitable business, or it doesn't stay in business. And in spite of this, people go and gamble there. It's strange, very strange. But nowadays, if if you uh, if you want to if you want to give your money to strangers, you can do it do so via uh, via uh, via via Camelot, and uh, they they will ease your conscience by saying uh, telling you that some of it's for a good cause. Now, now you can give away your money to strangers faster than ever before. It's true. It's true. But not perhaps relevant to the, to this game, which yeah. I, I would be happy to play it again. Um, I think, as with most games, I, I would prefer a, a, a GM I'm at least vaguely in tune with, because you, know, you could run this as the, the sexist, racist mess that the films are, and it wouldn't stop you. Mm. And, uh, and if I if I met a GM who said, I'm a great fan of James Bond, I don't think I would feel favourably inclined to them. But I like the game. I think you can do interesting things mm. with the game. There are definitely equivocal bits. Um I suspect if you ran in the 1950s, um, which was Brett's um, preferred location for for really good reasons, and uh, he justified it in the in the game, then I suspect those issues would come up even stronger. Um, and uh, I, what he was emphasising was the poverty of everything and how much time everything took in the 1950s. Mm. Which I think may have been because he wanted to be able to say, "No, London, you may only be in Jamaica, but London isn't going to get back to you until after the problem has gone pear shaped." Yeah, I, I think we had a tendency to have that modern thought of 
let, let us report this to headquarters and, and see, see if they can correlate that with stuff they've got from other agents or whatever, stuff they already know. But no, mm. I mean, that, that, that is not the genre. The genre is the one guy finds the thing out and, and follows it up. Yeah. Um, with, with very few exceptions. We were lucky we had Strangways and his secretary to, uh, uh, to help us out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you, Brett, once again. And thank you, Dr. Bob. Oh, yeah, and, and, and I'm definitely going to be looking at looking at those books for future reference. Hmm. Okay, another thing. Brian Parker asked us. How does one lighten a gearhead simulationist game such as Classic Traveller in the service of making the game more appealing to the less techie type of gamer? And I think some of that depends on what do you what do you want to keep? Yeah, I mean, well, if, well, if if you're being a, if you're choosing which game to run, then what what is it about Classic Traveller that 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 appeals to you? That you that you want to run with these people, as opposed to running a newer, lightweight, lighter weight game. Yeah, um, a game. Well, get, a traveler is a is a is a is a very classic. It's a, a classical sort of game because it comes with um, a set of implicit instructions, which yeah, oh, in, implicit setting details. Um, and then, and then it went back and said, "Hang on, can we make at a later stage of its development?" It says, "Can we make this um, more generic, more customizable?" Well, that's interesting. I, I'd, I'd put it the other way around because well, early early traveller is quite happy to say, "Well, you know, there's an Imperium, but what you're doing is going from planet to planet." And then later, yeah. later with the library data, you get, okay, that's still fairly early. You get the whole. This is the setting. But people yeah. were quite were canonically expected to write up their own, really, you know, generate yeah. their own subsector, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, okay, I think I think I think we're probably saying the same thing here. How much are you? Do you want to be able to customize the game, and how much are you going to be willing to take it as it is? Um, how much do you want systems which say I can make up a nice new weapon? And it has to be like this to be consistent. And how much are you prepared to say, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with my Fusion Gunman portable tech level 14. Thank you. Or no, I, Nobody or else I, is, but that's kind of the point. Well, that's kind of the point. Uh, the, I, I think, uh, how much are you prepared to say, these are the sorts of starships that are available? Because so I was thinking of, um, from the point of view of customizing things, the starship building rules mm. and the the trillion credit squadron which was the 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 the, the gearheads up um apex in um in uh, in, in traveler in, in, in modern terminology i think that would effectively be called a mini game it was a playable game on its own people uh, played it there, there were yeah, tournaments but, uh true one of the problems is, is yeah, and, and for for what for what modern games um, 
care about and what they do well. I think that Mongoose Traveller is a pretty good uh, iteration of of, uh, of the system of the, uh, and the setting. Yeah, I well, I I'm not. I don't think there's anything compelling about Mongoose Traveller over Gerps. That If I wanted to run a traveller game, that is probably the one I'd run. Actually, over any of the later iterations of Official Traveller, simply because it, it feels very much as if it's sticking to the, to the uh, original game core. It, it, to be honest, it feels like somebody's long, house rules from a long-running Traveller campaign codified and made sensible. That mm. that that is praise in the case of doubt. Okay. It, it's it's still yeah there there is traveller at the core of it you're not messing around with that whole two d six thing yeah but um, there is sophistication if you want it I I was thinking as, as a first approach to this I would look at what can be pre calculated by the GM so yeah, yeah standard traveller will say the ship has this acceleration and the distances you have to go are that and a GM can say okay it'll take you ten hours to get to the gas giant. Yeah, and yeah, the 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 GM has the tools in the game system to do that calculation, uh, but the uh, the players don't necessarily need to know. It. Their characters would know. Yeah, the 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 pilot of the starship knows how yeah. to do this, and and a whole bunch of other stuff that is subtle and sophisticated and below the resolution of the system. The mm. player just needs to know. Yes, I can do that. It'll take this long. So that's so yeah, that's one well, thing. Yeah, well, well that, again, this is... But what do you want to make... Um, nobody ever takes uh, takes apart a phaser in Star Trek and explains how, how it, exactly how it's working. You get told what it can do, and sometimes what it can do, like blowing up, if you set it right, is, is there for the purposes of plot. But no, nobody ever actually builds the technology. Whereas with Traveller, to an extent, you get the feeling that somebody has and has thought about some of the issues. Well, some of it anyway. Um, I, I would say that, to me, one of the canonical tags of good science fiction, and I'm aware that this will include almost all te- televisual and filmed science fiction, is yeah. that you ca- you have a consistent base for your miracles and you can put them together in unexpected ways yeah um star trek tries to do this but it was fundamentally written by writers rather than scientists so when when they say it would they're always prepared to say it would be handy if it could do this even if it's not consistent with the underlying principles and even Uh, if we've forgotten it next week and in games you can't do that. You can't have that lack of continuity because you've got the same players, and the same players can say, "Hey, last week we did this. Why can't we do it again?" And and the answer, because that's not dramatic enough, is is not a satisfactory one. This is this is one of the pre- problems with ha- having players. I'm getting better at no, being. No, it, it's a good thing. <laughs> okay, carry on. I. And yeah, it, I, it, I it think... means you can, you can jointly explore this entirely imaginary technology. Find out what it can do, what it can't do, what the limitations are, what the unexpected quirks are. This is fun, as far as I'm concerned, and you can and you can have that going in parallel to a human story. Yeah, the the the, the thing. One of the things that strikes me about a game with history, a game about the future with history, 
like Traveller, is that it is, um, how can I put this? The future looks a lot different now than it did then. Sure, Traveller is 50s SF. Hmm. Well, yeah, I... Th- the the I'm, canonical I'm, Traveller setting is 50s SF. Well, if it, I think... It, it, a, a, bit, a bit of 60s. All right. Well, I was th- I was going to say it's it's very uh, it's it's very analog in the nineteen seventies from what I remember that uh, of my youth. Well, not having nothing to do with this, but, but with that, this but new wave stuff was, was definitely uh, 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 the, the chunky gearhead um, mm. using the classic tropes back in the back in the seventies. Even though it did have occasional bursts of looking at something more complicated, um, but. Yeah, go on. But what do you do when uh, when the core assumptions change? What do you do when um, modern tech um, looks uh, the stuff that your your players are actually using every day looks uh, better than what uh, the the people uh, the first writers for the system and the setting put into uh, put into the game? Right at the start. What about those? Well, I, I think that's a bit of a sidetrack, but um, I think there are multiple ways to deal with that. You you can say, you know, this this is a different world, just just as you don't expect um, high tech in a fantasy world. Uh, you can say, well, things things are just different. It, it, this is just the way it is. Um, we never developed computers quite that good. Uh, you can say. Well, yeah, we we used to have those, but but the, but there was there was the uh, near collapse of society as, as social media happened, and so now we don't anymore. Uh huh. Um, the retro tech and uh, and I, tech. I I don't see this as a major thing, to be honest. As long as you say yes, this is a setting assumption, that's fine. As long as the players remember not to say, oh well, I'll just call him on my cell phone and, and keep being reminded you don't have a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, or you can run a, run a modern setting with with that stuff in it, um, with the old rules or with new rules. I mean, I, I don't see this as a problem, really. Some of this, you take a look at something. I know in your mind because I know I know because you've done this. You take a look at the things like the which we don't have, like the jump drive, and you start uh, worrying about things like relative velocity mm-hmm. and. Uh, and whether you can jump anywhere in the system, or whether, uh, or, or the, the 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 jump shadow problem, which I can't quite remember how it works, but uh, uh, that, that that was when your your primaries um, space you can't jump out of included uh, the world, which had its own smaller space you can't jump out of. So it took you longer to get between where you can jump and the world. Now, who would honestly, if we were, if this was a TV series we were writing for? Who would put that in? Well, that well, the way it would manifest in a TV series is the planet of the week uh, that we're going to is is one where we can't bail out in a hurry. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the TV writers wouldn't have that reason for it; they would just make it up. Hmm. In a game, you don't you don't have to have that level of um, flexibility. You can be actually consistent about it, and then when they come back to it in three seasons' time. It can be like yeah. that again, and so can occasional other planets. Now, you, you were mentioning. All right, let's get back to what you 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 think this is about. Well, I, can... I, I was thinking of your your mention of starship design systems. Um, my thesis on this, which I, I may have said before, is that these were never really intended to be used, intended to be used in a game session. 
the the number of occasions on which somebody says, "Hang on a minute, I will just run up a new starship," is really quite small. The the these back in the day were gaming gaming allied activity, yeah, that you could do on your own. Um, so the fact that they are complex doesn't matter from the point of view of a player who isn't going to be using them directly. They are, they form the substrate on which the GM can build the answers to the player's questions, which are going to be things like, what's the fastest car we can buy in this port? Or can this ship, if, if we, if we try to leave in a hurry without paying our bills, can this ship hope to get through the port defenses in one piece? Yeah. Um, uh, can, uh, am I, am I going to have to accept a clunky mechanical replacement for the arm I've just had blasted off? At least until we can get somewhere with, with, with a uh, better, better grade of hospital. Yeah, the 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 the, the, ba- the basic way. I think I was saying this at the start. The basic way of uh, dealing with simplification is to allow things to be written in as modules, as things you just pick up and use. You mm. don't need to to understand how the starship works. How the well, you uh, you may need to know how the starship behaves, but again, that's something that can be narrated. And you you you, you need to know that the starship doesn't pop out twenty feet above its berth in the port. It needs to it needs to slog across normal space as well. Yeah, you don't need to know how far that is. You, uh, you know, I I wonder if you you could say effectively tr- treat the player as if they are watching it or interacting with a TV program. Where, whereas mm-hmm. the GM is is doing the written stuff, so you know, the the player, if the player wants to ask, then fine. But but if but if they are prepared to put up with this is the standard way of doing things and it'll take this long, then that's fine. Uh, to go a sli- slightly less gearheady, at least for most people, thing. Last time I ran a, a traveller style free trader game, mm-hmm. I thought while setting it up that one of the most important aspects of it would be how much money the crew of the ship were making. And I had GURPS Traveller. You didn't? I, well, I had Traveller Far Trader. I had my own economics background, so I could work out the numbers very easily. The players were completely uninterested. As, lo- as long as they had enough to keep the lights on, they basically treated the trading and the, and the jobs as the plot device to get them where the next adventure was going to happen. And that's fine. <sighs> If you, I've, well, st- I've still got the ship's account books from that campaign. But the players didn't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and as I think I've said before, when I the last time I did it, uh, my pay- players cared too much, and they went deep into the weeds of the uh, of the trade and uh, and finance system, and decided it didn't work. Well, of course, it, it's designed to get, make you go and have adventures. <laughs> in which, ca- in which case, uh, the, the, you're treating as a module. I, I was using a more realistic. Uh, you're you're treating as a module the NPC character who is actually your your ship's purser, trader, and uh, and business manager, because nobody wants to play that character. You still need him, logically speaking, because of, of the setting. Mm-hmm. But you're treating him as Something that happens in the background, and if, if what the players want, wants to be told is this is this is the highest paying cargo that's on offer right now, therefore this is where you're going next. 
Well, yeah. that's fine. You, and you, and you've got a reason. You've got a system that, as a GM, that will actually tell them where they're going next. Mm-hmm. But again, they don't have to engage with it if they don't want to. If they, or you know, you 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 could uh, meet them halfway. They they could say, all right, here's the highest paying legal cargo. Is there anything else that will pay better but is a bit dodgy? Yeah. What is what is the nature of the dodginess? What what do we know about this gun shipment that we might be taking somewhere? If you know on the basis of the information we can find out from this planet over here. There, that, that, there's a thing about Traveller that, I, that, that, is, that is, is, seems to be baked deep into the system, which is the necessity to do things which are on the edge of the law, which um, it, may be, it may be fine for a one-off like uh, Casablanca, but it's, it's, yeah, even there it would, be, it would help if the central MacGuffin made sense. But... The uh, what orders that cannot be countermanded issued by uh, uh, by General de Gaulle that makes no sense whatsoever. The em- improvised uh, film criticism with dice coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to rewatch the thing. I, 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 I think I'm going to plead off. <laughs> the uh, the, uh, the the point the point I was making is that that, that all that is baked into Traveller, and you, I keep tripping over it when I I get deep deep into the setting and, and actually try to run uh, far trader games, free trader games. There are alternatives to Traveller. I, I, I reached for one I've got on my desk, which I've not finished reading, which is called Free Spacer, in which you are mostly serving a distant patron. And um, and you're, you, you've, because it's a modern game, you're, you're setting it up so that you are, um, uh, you you are you have the sort of patron you want. You have to do the sort of jobs that your characters are interested in. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to simplify things and make it uncrunchy, that's an approach that you could take in traveller campaign setup. That is it's something you can take. So, so how how does that manifest in terms of what the, what the PCs are doing? Do it, does it does it spit out a series of missions for them in effect? Or it, it starts with it starts with um, creating the background. It's it's a, uh, the background of the, of the campaign. Mm, what yeah, the, sure. What the universes are like, and then moves on to the um, then moves on to the, um, uh, the 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 sort of ship you're on. The sort of patron you're working for, and the sort of jobs you will undertake as a consequence of all those decisions. Yeah. So it's it's a fairly um, from from the it's, it feels a bit like and I'm, as I said I haven't finished reading it. It feels a bit like um, uh, Blades in the Dark as a uh, as a mission generator. Mm-hmm. And you are, and yeah, uh, and you, and you can, um, and the GM can start with. Well, this week we're going to here, and here is what is going on. Here's what's in the briefing, and then improvise on setting details from there. Yeah. I look, I'm not sure how how crunchy it would be, but it seems, it seems to have a fair degree of adaptability. I think that's the important thing. Yeah, uh, I also I also mention uh, what's it called. Uh, Ashen Stars, um, mm-hmm. which is is Robin Laws's Star Trek uh, ish, Star Trek After the Fall uh, investigations uh, game for Gumshoe. Yeah, 
It's another one, but I can't remember what it is. I think it's possibly worth noting that the the Traveller um, trading system has been broken out into a standalone game. Uh, well, point oh, called? Uh, I don't remember the name, but I will put it in the show notes. Do that thing. Uh, moving focused, away, focused on just being on being a free trader crew, or just trading, or yes, I mean it's 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 a it's a solo and not really role playing game. Hmm. Uh, it's essentially saying here you set, set up your ship um, here, here and here is a way of generating various possible options and cargoes and complications and things. Yeah, and and you try to stay alive and make a profit. The other way to do that is is uh, via computers. I have a friend who is running his own multi-billion uh, credit uh, uh, tra- uh, trading company, trading and shipping company in EVE. And, and he appears to be having enormous amounts of fun. But I think it would be very dull for me. Moving away from the specifics of Traveller for a bit, um, I think yeah. it is fair to say that in for for people who call things gearhead simulationist games, perhaps GURPS is probably classed among their number. Yeah, and the another thing I often say is that the 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 worst thing about GURPS is that you meet the character generation first, and it's the most complicated bit of it. Well, the player meets the character generation bit first. Yeah, the referee meets the meets the uh, the the step before that, which is the campaign design. Um, at first, so what, that's, that's what, the whole story in itself. Sure, but one one way we get around that for for a player is uh, try to make heavy use of templates and lenses and so on, rather than getting done yeah. energy details. And th- this is where I talk about GURPS Action Four, which essentially gives you a bunch of. It says hey, you, you're going to play a 250 point standard action hero character. Yeah. And the way you do that is to start with, I think it's 100 or 150 points of basic, everybody in an action film knows this stuff. Mm. And then you add on 25 and 50 point packages for the specific fields of experience you want. I mean, if this were a fate game, you would call them aspects. It, it's it's not just gun skill. It's, I was a soldier, so I have this package of stuff I know. Yeah. The uh, And, and, and uh, I'm I'm very fond of that. The the, the 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 dungeon fantasy uh, thing is two hundred and fifty points of it 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 doesn't want to bake the um every, what everybody knows into the characters it it um it, it puts that into into the background stuff mm-hmm. which again is customizable by the but uh, by, by the GM yeah I think the extreme form of this is. Something like uh, is powered by the apocalypse with its uh, and its um, follow-ons with its uh, with its uh, playbooks, which distill down the pre-selected um, setting into something that both liberates you because you can pick up, customize it, create the group in a very short space of time, and run with it. And also confines you because you. It's a thesis I've been coming up with that every game system eventually runs into an out of context problem that it can't properly handle. Mm. It's not set up to do. Something like GURPS is good at this, but I'm sure there are there are bits of, of um, 
of things that people want to do with games uh, that it isn't that isn't really suitable for. I can't think of any just at this moment because <laughs> I like that too. But but I, I, I as a part of my a part of my thesis is that is that you you are going to run into things that you that, that you aren't going to be able to handle quickly and easily or improvise a mechanic for well that that, that becoming coming back to in a future topic I think oh yeah and that's different from the things that the GM doesn't care about doing mm-hmm. um, because there what with the with the wave towards simplification there has been a lot of oh nobody cares about that and let's throw it out and throwing out the baby with the bathwater I think because you're always going to run into the player who does care. I mean, you you had players who didn't care about bookkeeping, and you could do it for them, and you were interested, which is good. But the uh, but 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 I had players who did care, and I'm afraid I didn't. As I just assumed that the game system was going to be there to cover it, mm-hmm. and it made all sorts of assumptions about um, about finances and what you could make. What the sort of money you can make with a, with a, uh, uh, mil- millions of credit in investment in starships, and uh, and the returns you need to make to make a starship profitable, so it's sort of crashed. Let me put it this way: you, you're saying you want me to write a forty-year mortgage on a mobile, highly valuable asset, largely lacking in serial numbers, in an environment where it can cross a border and be be uh, completely free of law enforcement. No, <laughs> shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to, to get back to some extent to the, to, to the original question, though, um, I think one should not discount running a lighter version of the system that still keeps some of the flavour of that system. Um, GURPS Dungeon Fantasy is one example. GURPS Action, which I've used a lot more, uh, has has an approach to this. I'm standard GURPS, for example, has uh, range modifiers which are yeah. quite tightly defined. Uh, GURPS Action has five range bands. Mm. And you yeah, have short, medium, long, that sort of thing. Uh, it, it, it explicitly allows not, lots of narrative input. Standard GURPS does actually have a mechanism for saying, know, there's a convenient chandelier for me to swing on, but it has a cost. I've never actually charged that cost, and GURPS Action removes it. Uh, it strips out a whole bunch of standard GURPS stuff that, like... Um, th- these are all optional rules because everything in GURPS is optional, but uh, things yeah. like crippling injuries t- to to heroes. Yeah, it's an action film. You don't get a crippling injury. Uh, you might be dead, but but, but you, you're but not you, crippled. Yeah, yes. uh, tech level penalties don't exist because it's an action film. You you, yeah. you might have a penalty for this is amazingly advanced tech, but that's it. Um, it it's very fast moving. Um, Okay, uh, to be honest, this, this this shares a lot with the way I tend to run GURPS anyway. Um, I don't I don't get down into the details unless somebody wants to get down into the details. But mm. at the same time, it retains a fundamental GURPSiness. So if if you played one of my action demo scenarios, for example, um, you and th- and then you went and joined a a full on GURPS game, you would not be lost. You you would still have you know. You've got stats, you've got skills, you've got 3d6 roll low, you've got advantages, disadvantages, all that sort of yeah. thing. It, it would all be familiar. It just hasn't gone into as much of the optional detail uh, because all, all those detail knobs are turned down in favour of fast-moving action. And 
obviously I'm going to encourage people to do this. This is a thing I do a lot myself, uh, whether, whether formally or not. Um, there are also in, in, in the action series, you, you've got a bunch of here, you know, the sort of things that are the standard things that happen in action films. Like yeah. we've got this broken device and we need, we need the key spare part to fix it. And all of that is just laid out in terms of skill roles. And so you, you can work out fairly immediately, right? This is going to be this sort of skill role and that sort of skill role. And here is how we can modify that by being clever. Uh-huh. I, I really like it. it. It's yes, it is a cut down version of GURPS, but it's also a great worked example of a thing you can do with GURPS, really not changing much in the way of rules at all, just deciding what you're going to use and what you aren't. That is ready to play. I think um, I think we get we get we we need you need to go back if you if you're going to do that you need to go back to the question we asked at the start, which was what is Traveller to you? Yes, or, um, or or your system of choice, and is it the system? Is it the setting? What is the thing you want to maintain first of all? Now carve away everything that doesn't look like that. Hmm. The uh, for Traveller there are that there are two. Pasted together, but uh, uh, but still there. Um, games. One is the one is the uh, the semi legal um, traders and smugglers game, and the other is the agents and um, and operatives game. Um, mm. the, the, the 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 free trader and the scout ship games. Um, there are others. There are military games, but you. I think, by and large, most of what's been written for it, you want to um, you want to keep the military and the high politics out of this. I mean, I'd be interested in doing a high politics space game, but I probably wouldn't use Traveller for it. I'd use something like Rain. I think that the the standard assumption of an awful lot of RPGs is you are a small band of people who can't easily call on assistance from higher powers. Yeah. And the agencies, um, you are a small band of people who the, who the higher powers have sent somewhere where they can't normally reach. Yeah, though, I mean, as we were talking about in, in the James Bond, that you, you may have the theoretical ability to call on assistance, but the genre says you don't do it. Yeah, we, we tried. We failed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I it, still it, don't it, believe that the inter- international communications were that poor in the nineteen. It, it, it's the idea that you are thrown back on your own resources. You you are the heroes. Yeah, um, and one could probably get into the philosophy of role playing a bit here. That you know, give, given the uh, westerns and fantasy stories that it grew out of, very much the lone hero on his own. Yeah, as, as a primary influence. Yeah, except of course that we are writing this as the group of lone heroes who are working together. For reasons that we are not going to go too clearly into. Well, do, do, well that, actually, that we have to go clearly into because we have to define the group. And so, definition of yeah, that's that's another core cool thing about preserving the uh, feel of a particular game. What sort and size of of group are you building this for? And and do do you, do you want your basic story model to be to be the uh, classic individualist or shall, shall, shall we try to build a more collectivist sort of story 
Well, the, the, and the, the, there is a hybrid form, the, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer form of, and now I can't think of it, the James Bond 007 form. Hero, of, hero and sidekicks. Hero and, and helpful sidekicks, each of whom gets um, their, their moment in the spotlight, gets to do something cool. Of course, one of the problems is if you've got a group of uh, players, everybody who wants to be the, the, the hero. But uh, Well, I, I, I think that's why standard point-by-systems generally assume that every PC is built on the same number of points. Yeah, um, true. Obviously, no point system is perfect. That You're never going to match exact utility to point value. But at least in a point-by-system, if you are better with a sword than me, it's because you've spent those points there and I've spent them somewhere else. Yeah. You, you don't have that phenomenon of you rolled better than me, so you're just better than me at everything, which which, which is corrosive, even if, you, even if you, in this case, are not an unpleasant person. It just feels lacking in fun. Yeah. Um, I don't see any way to get out of the problem that Person X can have made a better... Um, a better decision at the start of the the game about what sort of uh, what sort of character they're they're going to be playing. Sure, but um, I but but yeah, if you have something that's trying to be fair and is trying to balance, then that that's a lot better than something that isn't or doesn't even care. Um, what was the point of having eighteen oh oh strength? introduced into into <laughs> dnd was it just doubling down I, I this random element is brilliant let's add it a even greater level of discrimination against the, the poor weedy buggers at the back of the, the party mm-hmm. oh those, those people who paid attention in school they'll never amount to anything Fwakum. uh <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, uh, I, I think we've we've gone through a, a couple of possibilities here, and, and I'll, I'll come back to it again. The first thing is decide what you want to keep, and, and yeah. then, then prune everything else because it's dispensable because it's not the thing you wanted to keep. Except, of course, I, I issue here a warning: do not. I, I am one of those people who keeps everything until he finds it rotted and um, and 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 decayed in the back of the of the of the the cupboard. Uh, 20 years later, but I keep everything just in case it might be needed at some point. You can't get these anymore. There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and, then, and then, then somebody writes um, articles for, in, for the press about how difficult it is to dispose of all those things we used to use a lot of nowadays. Was nobody thinking of the future recycling? Oh, well. well, yes, obviously, the, 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 the solution is to recycle them into your junk drawers. Yeah, yeah, okay, understood. That's what I, that's my contribution. I'm keeping the, the toxic junk in my flat away away from the environment. I shall feel guilty. I shall feel good about that. Yeah, On, onward, I think. Onward. We hope that answered the question that was actually asked. If you want to tell us about uh, the things you've chopped out of your games and never never felt the, the lack of ever again, 
Or, or your yeah. cunning doings as a secret agent. You probably shouldn't tell us that, to be fair. You probably should. You, you should probably write a book about it instead. It works with John Le Carey. Um Then you can contact us at... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. And we'll be back in another month.